Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Hi, this is Bill Peacock, and welcome to episode 52 of the Liberty Cafe. I'm pleased that you are with me today, and pleased that you've been with me for if this is your first episode or maybe you've been here through all 52 episodes. Really appreciate you checking in and listening to us. Also appreciate our sponsors at Texas Scorecard. You know, I had uh, Michael Sullivan, the, the publisher of Texas Scorecard, on here uh, the, the last two episodes, and, and the, the work they're doing is amazing. I mean, the, the work that the, the guys and gals who manage this podcast, are, are, they're just amazing. The, the folks who are doing the, the local articles and keeping up on the city councils and the county commissioners who are doing all that work. I mean, if you want to know what's going on with Texas in Texas from a liberty perspective, there's really no better place or some cases no other place to go except for Texas Scorecard. So I encourage you to go there and find out not only what's going on in the fight for Texas liberty, but how you can engage in the fight for Texas liberty. All right, so on episode 52 today, we're going to talk about – we're kind of going to go all over the place a little bit. I, I think I've got a theme for this put together. But we're going to start out with George W. Bush. And, you know, George W. Bush was the governor of the state of Texas before he was the president of the United States. Uh, he owned the Texas Rangers before that, or was at least general manager, part owner of the Texas Rangers before that. You know, Father H. George H. W. Bush, former president of the United States, vice president of the United States, director of the CIA, and those kinds of things. And, you know, being – having worked in Texas politics for a really long time, I got to know not George Bush on a personal level. I met him a couple times. But George Bush from a public policy perspective, pretty up close and, and personal while he was here. And so it, it doesn't really surprise me to have read this article that George W. Bush is going to hold a fundraiser for Liz Cheney. But it does sadden me that – in a lot of ways – but that the, the Texas Republicans and politicians and, and are still – still don't get it. They still don't get what the fight for liberty is all about. So yeah, I, I read this article that in Just the News, if you haven't read, seen Just the News, they do some really good uh, reporting on issues up there, that, that George W. Bush, Carl Rove, and Kay Bailey Hutchison are going to hold a fundraiser for Liz Cheney and to help her hold on to her seat. And, and I think most people listening to this know about Liz Cheney and, and what she's done. She, you know, she, she comes from a, a decent family. You know, for, in the sense, from a policy perspective, you know, father was obviously uh, vice president of the United States under Bush, and and you can see from a loyalty standpoint, perhaps, why Bush would be inclined to go out there and do a fundraiser for her. But from, but at some point in time, 
liberty has to step in front of loyalty to bad things and make a difference. And, and that's just not happening in this case. Of course, Liz Cheney has you know, voted to impeach uh, pre- President Trump. She has volunteered to join the January 6th investigation in, well, the mostly peaceful protest. You know, people like to call it an insurrection, those types of things. But it's a mostly peaceful pro- protest. And the reason it was mostly peaceful, because the one real act of violence was committed by a Capitol police officer where he killed somebody who was just crawling through a window. Right? And, of course, he's been uh, judged. There have been no problem with that. And so all these people talking insurrection, and Liz Cheney just jumped into that. Even as a as a supposedly conservative Republican politician, I, I think her blindness, rage, and hate for President Trump has so blinded her to the principles that she was brought up in and raised up in, she can't see them clearly anymore. And we could go on talking about Liz Cheney for a long time, but that's not really the purpose of this. The part of the purpose of this is to show how these establishment Republican types – George W. Bush, Karl Rove, K. Bailey Hutchison are, are, are trying to continue this country club establishment, uh, big government, compassionate government republicanism that we've seen for a long time, seemingly totally oblivious of the idea that liberty is, stake, is at stake, freedom is at stake, and and. And it's not just these little concepts, you know, that, that ephemeral concepts that people don't, you know, liberty, freedom, what does all that mean? This is real life stuff. When, when people are locked down in their houses, when their jobs are taken away, where they can't travel, where, they're, where their taxes are so great they can't afford their houses anymore, where they can't get jobs because of government regulation – all these kinds of things have real-life implications, and to most of these folks, they just can't see that these are the kinds of things at stake. So that, that kind of brings us forward to what's going on in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, with this $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation bill. So little background on that. So we, we've gotten to the $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation bill because Senate Republicans agreed to work – or enough Senate Republicans agreed to work with Senate Democrats to pass a $1 trillion spending bill, stimulus bill out of the Senate so that the, the – that the Democrats could then use budget reconciliation for this other bill because the, the way budget reconciliation works, it's a very complex system. But basically, you're allowed to pass a bill that deals primarily with spending and taxes without going through the Senate filibuster process. And so they can pass a budget basically without a filibuster. So 51 votes in the Senate rather than 60, which it takes to go through the filibuster. But the people who put this into place had some sensibilities that you can only do it once a year. 
And so what the Senate Republicans did, and it's the same mindset that we had when we were talking about George W. Bush and Liz Cheney and all that kind of stuff. They don't see the reality. So they're just going to take a trillion dollars and spend it on stimulus when they, they don't even seem to understand that the government can't stimulate anything. It's people working in the productive economy that stimulate growth by working. You can't stimulate anything by just taking money from one group of people and spending it on another, whether it's taking it through taxes, taking it through inflation, taking it through just making up money at the Federal Reserve. And so the Senate's made this bad deal to, to – Republicans made this bad deal to let this bill go through. And so that leaves us – now the Republicans, the Democrats can put all their effort into this $3.5 billion budget reconciliation bill. Well, this thing is just a mess. Right, and, and you know whether if it passes or not is still way up in the air uh, because Republicans can't stop it at this point because they made their deal, and, and so it's entirely up to the Democrats whether this thing passes because you know, we we know the House of Representatives under the control of Nancy Pelosi will pass this thing, so it's up to the Senate whether they can do it or not, and you know. And a, couple of the Senate Democrats seem to be kind of hesitant about this. Joe Manchin out of West Virginia is one of them. The other senator whose name I can't remember now, the lady senator out of Arizona is another one. But, but Joe Manchin doesn't like it in large part because of the energy component of this bill. This is a massive bill. And, and part of the – basically what happens in this bill – is that it will totally remake and redo energy policy in the United States. And you may ask yourself or ask me, you say, Bill, well, how can that be? Because I thought this budget reconciliation is just you know taxes and spending. How can it be about public policy? Well, that's one of the little tricks they have here is they do all these things and they tie them to taxes or they tie them to spending. And if they do a good enough job of tying these policy changes to taxes and spending, then the Senate parliamentarian says, yep, this is on taxes, this is on spending, we can put it in the budget reconciliation bill. And that's what they've done when it comes to energy policy. And, and so, you know, as people, we, we tend to have this idea that stuff in faraway places, whatever happens over there, doesn't really bother us. You know, or stuff that happens in the past. You know, humans are very, in our fallen nature, we get very localized, uh, and we we think about just what's going on around us. But let me tell you something, folks. That if you're ignoring this budget reconciliation bill, you're doing it at your own peril because there's a lot of bad stuff that's going to affect Texans in here. And I really want to focus on two things here. First is this energy policy that I brought up. This bill is a all-out assault by Congress on the Texas energy sector, right? The, what, what the target is, what has the target on its back is really is the production of oil and gas. So why should we care about in Texas? Well, I think most of us know that the, you know, the oil and gas industry, the oil and gas production of oil and gas, the exploration of oil and gas, the, the, the uh, refining of oil and gas, that is one of the main drivers of the Texas economy. Now, it's not 
we're not so dependent on, on it as we used to be. But nonetheless, hundreds of thousands of Texans work are employed in well-paying jobs here in Texas, all related to oil and gas production. Right? And it makes a huge difference in our economy. And, it, and it's not just from a you know, big business perspective. It, it's, it's, there are big businesses that operate here in Texas, but it's a lot of small businesses. You, you get out to, to Midland and Odessa and that part, you know, there's, there's more billionaires per capital, capita, I'm sorry, in, out in Midland, Odessa, I think, than anywhere else in the country maybe. And, and, you know, but they're not really big businessmen. And these millionaires out there, they're not really big businessmen in the sense they have small businesses. They're independents. They, they've made a lot of wealth off of this thing, but they're, they're not operating like ExxonMobil. They're still operating small independent businesses that are going out there, employing people, producing wealth, producing jobs, producing growth in the Texas economy. If you start going after that kind of thing and, and the big guys, and then also the not just the production of oil and gas, but it, it also comes into the transmission of electricity in our state in large part because most uh, of the electricity we have in our state is made by is generated by natural gas. So that's how that all fits in. You start going after all that, and and Texas is going to see a real negative impact from this thing. You know, the the first and most obvious harm from all this is that we're just going to have to pay for this three point five trillion dollars. It's about $10,000 for every man, woman, and child living in the state of Texas. But it, but it goes beyond that. We're going to have to pay for subsidies. Texans, all Americans, but Texans in particular, are going to have to pay for subsidies for all these alternative forms because the, the, the truth of the matter is that we can't produce energy from wind and solar and whatever, water, those types of things, produce it and store it and use it anywhere near the cost that we could if we are talking about natural gas and coal and even nuclear power more than likely. And so our energy costs are going to go up in Texas if we see this takeover of the, of the United States energy sector through this bill. And then, of course, an, another way we'll pay for it here in Texas is just we're going to have more wind and solar driving our grid, and it's become more and more and more and more and more unstable. It, it, we're going to, you know, we had the one of the worst blackouts in U.S. history in our state back in February. And the entire Texas legislature and Governor Abbott and even, sad to say, uh, to some extent, Lieutenant Governor Patrick, although he did do better than the rest of them, and then Speaker Dade Phelan for sure, and, and members of the legislature, they've just all pushed it off to the side and pretended like it had nothing to do with wind and solar farms across Texas. But that was the main thing that caused all this stuff is – we didn't have the generation resources in place because we were relying on reliables. And when it got too cold, none of that stuff was working. And we didn't have enough backup from natural gas, reliable natural gas, to make it work. So they just ignore all this kind of stuff, and they're revamping our entire 
energy sector, electricity sector here in Texas, how we get electricity from the generation to the homes. And so really, unfortunately, what you're seeing is here the U.S. Congress working with the Texas legislature and Texas public policy officials to really destroy our the reliability of our electricity grid. So it's going to cost Texans in that way as well. And then we're also going to have to pay for batteries. You know, Tesla will like that. Tesla has just moved here. But batteries are really expensive, particularly on an industrial scale level. It, they don't really work, but they're going to be really expensive and we're going to be forced to use them and pay for them. So rather than build a natural gas plant, which can provide reliable electricity force on a regular basis. We're going to build, because of both what they're doing here in Texas and they're doing here with this bill, we're going to have to build a bunch of windmills all over the place, a bunch of solar panels. And when they're generating in the middle of the night and nobody wants the electricity, well, we're going to have to buy a bunch of batteries, put them in place to store the electricity, and then we're going to use those batteries to give us generation when we need it, except the batteries won't hold enough to do it. So anyway, it's going to be really expensive and it's not going to work. That's one of the problems with this $3.5 billion, trillion dollar, excuse me, budget reconciliation bill. The other problem is, is that you, know, you have to, for all these subsidies that are going to go to all these companies and and not just in the energy sector. This bill is just full of subsidies for subsidies for big business all over across the United States. And it, it's going to be a massive giveaway. Well, that money has to come from somewhere. And guess where it's going to come from? It's going to come from you and from me and from all of us. But one of the ways they're going about getting our money away from us is by taxing businesses that do business overseas. And, and that kind of gets back to my theme here of we, we don't tend to worry about things that are happening far away from us. But in fact, we need to worry about this too because guess what? There are – what is it? I think I, I ran across some research. It's like 805 U.S. multinational companies with operations in Texas. It's about – they employ about 700,000 Texans. And, and these companies are a big reason why Texas is a major player in international trade and the number one exporter here in America. And many of these Texas jobs, those 700,000 Texas jobs, are dependent on the revenue that these businesses earn through overseas holdings. Right? But this, the, that revenue from those businesses, what they earn overseas, are one of the main targets of this reconciliation bill. So what the Biden administration and Congress are doing is going after this revenue by raising something that you've probably never heard of and you're probably better off not hearing about it, but I'm going to tell you about it anyway. The Global Intangible Low Tax Income Tax, which is a, a tax on certain earnings for the foreign subs subsidiaries of, of Texas and U.S.-based multinational corpor corporations. The whole idea about this is that uh, – we tax collectors and congressmen and senators and people in government don't want these businesses not paying their fair share of taxes. So if they are paying lower taxes over in some other part of the world, well, it all gets kind of complicated. But Congress is doing its best to make sure that if they're paying lower taxes somewhere else. They can't just move a lot of their income over there. They're still going to have to pay taxes back here in the United States. And so essentially th this, this system is in place to do that. And so what Congress and Biden are doing 
in this is raising that foreign tax to bring more of that money back here to Texas. Now, that'd be great, maybe. Wouldn't really, but if they're going to use it to give us our money back, but they're no, they're giving it to these big businesses, uh, other big businesses. And so what that means is that Texans are going to lose their job. There's a recent study done at the University of Texas at Austin that, that showed the, the the losses of jobs in Texas in just the first year could range from 6,000 to 100,000. Now, that's a pretty th- pretty big job spread, but nonetheless, it shows that This is just one more effect of the budget reconciliation bill on Texans. So it's going after our energy sector. It's going after the multinational trade sector here in Texas. And there's lots of other places that it's going after. I'm not going to get into all those. But but, so let me just kind of bring this all to a close by, by kind of talking about the concept of, you know, that that people – don't pay taxes. I mean, businesses don't pay taxes. People do. That's an old saying, but it doesn't really get through to us very much. But it's very true because businesses are just corporations, you know, and they're collections of people. And so people pay those taxes. If you put more taxes on a corporation, either the employees of that corporation make less money, either the shareholders of that company make less money, or the people who buy products from that company pay more money for their products. Anyway, the people wind up paying more taxes. And and this is kind of what I want to get back to when we look at people like Liz Cheney, George W. Bush, Kay Bailey Hutchinson. Today, you could include that, you know, Greg Abbott here in Texas, um, the, the Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, certainly the Speaker of the Texas House of Representatives, Dade Phelan, that none of this, they either don't get it, that people are being pushed out of their jobs and their homes. I was, we talked with Michael Sullivan last week, we talked about property taxes and how they, they just keep raising the property taxes. Here in Texas, well, they're doing the same thing that the Congress is doing with this bill. And they none of them seem to get it that this battle that those of us who love liberty are fighting is not just about some concept that's you know ephemeral or out there that nobody really thinks about. It's about real people with real jobs, real lives, and they're trying to do their best, and government keeps trying to take all that away from them. So I just close with this that, you know, as we talked about a lot on here, we need to get active in our government and what's going on in that, whether it's going out there and just voting, becoming more informed, casting informative votes, uh, being active in, in, in organizations that try and affect things like Texas Scorecard, going out there and running for things, and ultimately, of course, you know, praying to God that, that he would bring liberty. You know, we, people who turn to Jesus Christ for salvation have liberty and they're no longer slaves to sin, and government should reflect something similar to that. It's not about salvation at that point. It's about the world reflecting the liberty that God has given us through Jesus Christ. So ultimately, we ought to turn to, to God and pray that he would continue to work this out, knowing that Christ has won this victory of liberty for us, and he will do it. We just need to be patient in that, but work hard in the process. Well, thank you for being with us today on 
episode 52 of the Liberty Cafe. And thanks once again to our sponsors, Texas Scorecard. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe by Texas Scorecard. You can find more shows and great content at texasscorecard.com. Please consider leaving a review or rating the show on whatever podcasting platform you listen on.